Hey everybody, Dave Lindbergh, another episode of the THD podcast. As always, Simon Weston joining us from Japan for all the critical audio-related technical questions. And Vincent, the CEO of Tampao, joining us from Paris. Thank you very much for joining us, Vincent. Uh, so the word on the street is you've got some fancy software stack for Bluetooth uh, application. Um, I know a little bit about it. I know you had some traction in mobile phone space, and now you're really exploring the the true wireless stereo space. But maybe a bit, tell us a bit about the the company and how you, how you've got to where you are today. Well, I could just tell you maybe the the beginning of the story. Um, okay. So we we actually created the company in 2016, um, bit bit even a bit before that. And uh, the initial idea was, what if we could take a smartphone? And instead of being able to connect only one Bluetooth speaker, what if we could actually connect two of those Bluetooth speakers and create a stereo system with one speaker playing the left channel and the second one playing the right? So that was a very simple and basic idea. And it was like, I have my smartphone, I have two Bluetooth speakers, I have one GBL and one Jawbone. Why, like, why is it not possible to connect the two separate like at the same time and that was the first idea behind tempo and we we started like building a very small team uh engineering team focused on this trying to solve this issue we quickly realized it was a bluetooth issue um and we started you know modifying the bluetooth protocol inside the smartphone so we were playing with the bluetooth stack inside android to um you know, to, to, to make it happen. So we, we started understanding how the Bluetooth work, E2DP profiles and so on. And well, we ended up uh, making a, a small prototype. Um, we, we were basically modifying the Android stack of the smartphone uh, with a custom version of the A2DP profile that would enable two, three, or and even four connections at the same time. So it was really about creating a sound system with multiple speakers. Um, or you know, connecting multiple headphones to listen to the same video or music. And um, anyway, we were we were a very small team. We were only five people at the time. And we had a first prototype. We filed our first patent, so early 2016 on this technology. And I, um, you know, we were we were a young startup. We had no clear path and plan on how to grow. We were kind of also learning along the way. And um, I went for the first time in, in China at that time. Uh, so for me, it was the first time ever actually going to, going to Shenzhen. Um, so it was a, a pretty nice trip. So two weeks um, in Shenzhen, just to get to know people. So I met a lot with the uh, European community there. And we ended up meeting with, uh, with someone from the executive team at Lenovo, uh, who basically told us, well, yeah, I want to use that software you developed in my phone and I'm ready to pay you a license for it. And that's kind of how it all started in, in 2016. Um, and that's how we started working with, uh, with Lenovo. And, uh, and we ended up shipping the, the small the piece of software we developed into a phone into the, into the Lenovo smartphones. Um, for a five people company, it was pretty good achievements. Um, I actually created the company just after finishing my master degree in France. So um, Tempo was my first uh, job in a way. Um, and you, you have to imagine that the first contract I ever negotiated was with the procurement team of Lenovo. 
for so it was it was pretty fun. Um, and so we, we 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 kept working on that Bluetooth technology. We 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 you know we start learning a lot about the market, about what are the dynamics of the market. And end of 2016, uh, Apple announced the AirPods. Um, they are released a couple of months after. Um, and well, when we test those for the first time, I think it's early 2017, we, well, we realized that this actually could be a game changer. Like they were so easy to work with and so easy to use compared to the ton of Bluetooth headphones and speakers we were used to work with for the first product we developed. Um, so at that time, we, we you know, What's funny is when I first saw the video of the Apple keynotes, my first reaction is like, oh, it looks weird. Uh, and a couple of months after, after testing those and using, using them every day, my thinking evolved from, oh, it looks weird. And like, obviously the idea was no one is going to wear those uh, to, to they actually managed to create a new category. Um, and if they do manage to create a new category, like, well, the, the, the couple of years in the market also, I, I kind of started to understand how it worked. Um, it means that many, many other players would follow and many other, or many other players would maybe uh, start working on, on AirPods-like devices. Um, and so at that time, it was kind of a game changer for us because we started to realize that what Apple did with the AirPods was not that easy. Um, you know, synchronizing the two earbuds perfectly, having a good battery consumption, having something that works 100% of the time. But we realized that even though it was not easy, it seemed easy for our team that spent a year and a half, you know, playing with the Bluetooth protocol, uh, trying to make, uh, to synchronize multiple speakers, uh, multiple headphones. And we basically, when we saw that product, like we realized that, we were maybe one of the only team in the world that had the experience of modifying heavily the Bluetooth protocol so we could make, um, you know, we could, we could also reproduce the AirPods. So in 2017, uh, we decided to pivot the company to, uh, to actually be way more focused on the true wireless opportunity. Um, and, 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 you know, like it's, it's also the benefit of being a, a small startup. We were, we were 10 people at the time. So the decision was pretty easy. It was, a couple of discussions with my with my co-founders, and we and we ended up saying, "Hey, we, yeah, we think it's the is the right thing to do. So let's let's be focused on that." And so in 2017, we decided to, you know, almost restart from scratch, uh, tempo, and we leverage a lot of what we learned from the first product we built. Uh, we we leveraged part of the tech we developed. We also, well, we also find some patent in 2016 about synchronization of Bluetooth devices that could actually apply to the, to the, to the AirPods. And we started rebuilding a, a stack from scratch, uh, like a firmware stack for true wireless AirPods. Uh, so it was in 2007, uh, 2000, um, yeah, 2017, uh, we, we kind of uh, pivoted the company and it was almost a new, new beginning for us at that time. Um, so when we when we looked at the when we looked at the true wireless opportunity, uh, there was um, like very quickly we had the, the conviction that it would become um, massive, and uh, and it could like we really were thinking, well, this is a new category. What happens when there is a new category? 
there are a bunch of players trying to, you know, to leverage this opportunity. And we saw step-by-step step many different uh, companies in the world, you know, attacking the true wireless market and trying to address it. And the, the thing that is interesting from a market point of view is that the true wireless, so, so by the way, true, what, I, what I call true wireless is really the AirPods-like devices. So Bluetooth earbuds without any wires between uh, left and right. Um, the interesting thing is it's the true wireless market is actually maybe one of the most crowded ever market. It's the competition is quite insane because you actually have the competition coming from all different angles and different markets. So you have, you have the, you have the, 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 the what I would say the, the, the basics, which are the audio brands, the headphones brands, obviously all addressing the true wireless earbuds, especially now that there is a shift from headphones to, to, to earbuds. Uh, so all the headphones brands are competing in this game. But you also need to add to that all the smartphone companies that are all following Apple, Apple lead. Um, so not only the AirPods, but Huawei is making the Freebuds, uh, Samsung, the Galaxy Buds, Oppo, Vivo, TCL, all those smartphone companies, they are also building AirPods, AirPods-like devices. And you also have the, the smart speaker companies or the, or the platform companies. So the companies that were not in the hardware business before, like Amazon, Google, Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, Microsoft, those companies, some of them already disrupted the smart speaker market. And they already, you know, uh, it was quite hard for some of the speaker brands out there because of that shift. They are also addressing the earbuds market because it seems that the earbuds could be actually also one of the, one of an interesting piece to deploy a voice assistant. And right. we, we, we could come back to that later. But the, all those companies addressing the earbuds market is also strategic for them. So you have, you have the historic audio players that are afraid that they may lose market share on the headphones. Um, you have the smartphone companies that see that as the perfect accessory for the phone. You have the, pla the platform companies that are seeing, you know, um, a good way to expand their voice assistant uh, play. And you, you can even add to that the earring aid companies that are, uh, you know, seeing that uh, wearing something in the ear is, is, is somehow becoming fashion. Uh, so yeah. uh, it could be quite a game changer for the, for the earring aid industry. So all the earring aid players are also looking at the, at the true wireless market. Um, and you, you obviously have all the ODMs in China that are also making their own brands. So basically, uh, True wireless market may be one of the, the most crowded consumer market ever. The, the fact is it's growing so much today that everyone gets a piece of it, which is, which is a good thing for the industry. Like it's been, it's been some time that we needed such, such a growth. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, um, it's, it's a market that is going to be really interesting, I think, in the next couple of years. And well, knowing that and seeing that, the question we had for Tempo was, well, we are a 10 people startup. At that time, I was the only non-engineer. So we, are, uh, we have like nine software engineers and myself. How could we compete in that field? And how could we take a piece of the true wireless opportunity? And the answer was, was, was not like creating our own brand because we did not have a team for that. We did not have any marketing, you know, resources internally. We were small, we, we had no brands. 
we had, we didn't have a lot of money um, and we still we still don't <laughs> um, so it's so we really had this question and like we think we have the team that can build something great in this space and um, but this something great cannot be building a new brand like we don't have the we don't have the, the, the company structure the company mindset to have this to have this approach um, so we try to find you know an approach like we, we started thinking how could we be radically different from what the competition is doing and that's that's what we're trying to achieve with tempo and the, and, the, and the conclusion with the conclusion of that thinking was well if you look at the past every time there was a massive hardware shift with you know one new type of consumer electronic device that became massive and what I, what I mean what I mean by massive is like more than 200 million units uh, shift a year, which is what is happening now with the earbuds market. Mm -hmm. um, every time there was a shift like that, there also was a company that that started to emerge that kind of became the firmware provider for the for the for the for the majority of the players in the field, and 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 later some of those companies also became a real OS with with other companies playing on top of that. But you, if you think of Windows at the beginning, or if you think of Android in a way. Like Apple always did thing in house, so they already always had this purely vertical inter uh, integration with the full ownership of the entire entire value chain. And you know, when the market is crowded and there there are there are like many brands trying to to compete, not all those brands can have the capability to actually internalize the same work and the same you know the same R and D effort. So there is a need for a software company. A firmware company that can be the, the guarantee of a good experience and a good product quality for all those uh, challengers, and that's kind of the 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 idea behind Tempo. It's like, yeah, there was there was um, Android for the smartphones, there was Windows for the laptops, there was QNX for the automotive market, um, there was um, Open TV for the set top box market at some point. Uh, there is going to be a firmware, a, comp a firmware company that will emerge and being the product provider for most of the market. And so that's what we're trying, we're trying to become. And the idea is to have a, a full vertical control of the, of the software chain inside an earbud. Yeah. Um, and it has some difficulties and we could come back to that later. Uh, it has some difficulties. And at the same time, we want to bring some, you know, unique product insight so internally at Tempo, we are thinking as if we are like as if we were um, um, a product company. Actually, we try to have product company, a product like a headphone earbud company mindset, trying to into trying to understand the users, trying to um, trying to you know create new features to craft mm -hmm. new experiences. But at the same time, we do the kind of firmware work that is usually done by a chipset company. And right. that's by you know combining those two aspects that we think we could we could craft something that would be radically different from the competition, and uh, hopefully we we will uh, get a piece of that market. So you're kind of using from almost like a assembly level language all the way up to to cover off doing thinking about the applications whether it might be hearing aids or yes. wireless stereo or or what the feature sets might be needed by somebody wanting to put the Alexa command feature into their earbuds. So you're, you're kind of thinking on all those stages so that 
even as like a, a solution provider, you're still thinking like the brand so that you're able to, to jump ahead and, and get those problems as they arise, what they might need as a brand. Exactly. That's, that's precisely that. And it's, it's actually even more than that. Because we also have, um, you know, when you think of the, of the chain uh, for an earbud, there is also the mobile touchpoint. So if you really want to create a, a neat user experience, you need to be everywhere in the chain. So we also take care, like we also want to take care of the mobile apps. We want to take care of the cloud platform if there is a need for a cloud platform for uh, firmware updates or, you know, this, mm. or, you know, debugging, for instance. So we want to we want to be on all the key parts of the chain, um, you know, from the from the, the the real from the Bluetooth stack, which is where we come from. So the core Bluetooth protocol, um, but also the synchronization engine, the audio runtime, all the pipelines. So we we also implement our own uh, codecs, for instance, um, all the application layer. So all the logic behind the earbuds, how to link the different sensors, uh, all the all the behavior of the earbuds and 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 how to optimize that with the smartphones right. and there are there are two well so a couple of things so first having this full vertical control is is enabling us to create new features that would not be accessible by uh, just an headphone company um, using an sdk from a bluetooth chip company um, to give you a quite precise example we have a feature that we have the we have we have implemented the multi-point feature. The multi-point feature is basically the ability to connect your earbuds to the smartphone and your laptop at the same time. And in one tap, you can actually switch which device is the source and which uh, you know which device is active, which master device is active. Mm. And um, typically, an example would be um, you know I have I'm listening to music from my computer. I have a phone call. Um, one tap and I know that my earbuds are switching to my phone and I can answer the phone and it's fine. Um, this feature exists for like four years in the headphone space. So if you make, if you make headphones, um, so only one Bluetooth chip, um, it already exists. The challenge is in the case of the true wireless space, it, it's, it actually, it's actually an added complexity because it's not just about managing the priorities. It's also modifying the Bluetooth stack to be sure that it can support multiple links and that it can support real-time switching. Because not only you need to manage a connection with you know, the, two, um, the two sources, but you need also to manage the connection between the two buds. And so it's kind of an extra level of complexity. And even companies like Bose or you know, like companies that have a strong firmware team working on top of the chipset SDK, if for them the, the, the core Bluetooth stack is a black box and they have no access to it, there is no way they could make it happen. Mm. And that's, that's typically the kind of product benefit we could bring by, by being, having a vertical approach. Uh, and that's, you know, that's part of our differentiation. Yeah. And the reality is it's also what Apple did. When Apple, when Apple, they, they released the AirPods, they were the first to have this kind of vertical integrations that allowed them to, um, you know, to have a full control of the product experience. Yeah, I mean, I remember the early days of wireless audio, a lot of people were in the proprietary space. So Bose would have a TXRX that was exclusively for them. There would be no intercommunication between brands. 
And then the, the complaint about Bluetooth was always, well, it's meant to play with everybody. So it's almost like, you know, Windows 95. It was difficult to work with every application. So uh, it was always kind of a thing. But more recently, and like the like you say, the AirPods really kind of pushed the, push the envelope in terms of being this kind of unique little ecosystem within the Bluetooth framework so that your, your AirPods could still work with an Android device and, and similar although optimized for the iPhone, but uh, at any rate, um, interesting. It is, it is optimized for the iPhones, but... Uh. <laughs> um, to what extent do you need to be on uh, both sides, on the smartphone side and the earphone side to do the things that you've talked about, the uh, you know, source switching and um, things like that? Well, no, we actually, most of, the, most of the features, we need to be only on the sync side, so only on the, only on the, on the earbud side. Um, it's true that there are a couple of features that are done exclusively when you are on both sides, like both sides, meaning the smartphone and the sync, uh, so the smartphone and the earbuds. Typically, the kind of easy pairing uh, pop-up that you could that, that you could experience with the AirPods, technically, there is no difficulty to implement that. It's just that you need to have access to the BLE stack inside the smartphone to make to make that happen. And there are, there are a couple of features like that. There are also a different kind of architecture that you could enable if you are uh, if you are on the smartphone side. So typically, what you could do if you're on the smartphone side if you, is, is that you could directly connect the two earbuds from your smartphone using two distinct Bluetooth connections, and uh, which is which is not the kind of architecture that is used today by most of the uh, earbuds player, uh, but. Having two connections, so the phone would be connected directly to the left and directly to the right, would enable you to actually only send the left channel to the left earbud and the right channel to the right earbud. So basically, you establish two mono streams, and that has a clear impact in terms of uh, you know bandwidth use for the Bluetooth chip in, inside the earbuds. And so it has an impact on the battery consumption. It has an impact on the stability. So it's there. There are some improvements that you can do if you are on both sides. Um, the reality is today, most of the, the smartphone brands, except for Huawei and Apple, they are not really leveraging that. They could do, they could do so much more. They could do so much more if they, if they were on, like if they really had a product team that was cross-platform working both with Android and, and the earbuds. Um, and, and I think they may, they may go in that direction, but I think today it's, it's, like no one wants to do something that is fully proprietary. So everyone is thinking of doing, like everyone is thinking about, you know, enhancements in a closed ecosystem. And you know, that's the game, but no one is really thinking about making something exclusive. And I think it's a good thing. And I think the, 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 the Bluetooth brand did a pretty good job for that because right now it seems, uh, you know, it's, not using the Bluetooth brand seems something like that is just a nonsense today on the market. Uh, and, and I think it's a good thing for the, for the interoperabilities uh, worldwide. Okay. What if I ask, um, uh, on, the, uh, on the smartphone side, what chips are people using? Is there uh, one brand that rules the roost and are they different uh, chips than you would get in the earphones? Um, on the headphones or on the smartphones? On the smartphones. So on the smartphones, um, on the smartphones, it's um, so the, the the Bluetooth chip is a part of the of the main processor. So it's a it's a it's a sub component of the of the of the smartphone chip. So it's um, 
it's also always a, uh, a combo chipset. So combo chipset means it's always a Wi-Fi and Bluetooth chip. So uh, meanwhile, in the earbud space, it's, al it's always a Bluetooth only chipset uh, for um, power consumption reason and space reason. Yeah. Um, on the smartphone, so they are, they are the two main providers are Qualcomm and MTK. So they design their own uh, Bluetooth Wi-Fi module inside their main processor. So inside the Snapdragon, for instance. Um, then you also have Unisoc, um, the, the other you know, smartphone processor company that has their own uh, baked in Bluetooth capabilities. And you have a couple of exceptions. So one of the exception is um, Huawei. Uh, they have their own chipset, including the Bluetooth Wi-Fi part. Um, Another example. Just want, just want to clarify. So uh, on the smartphone side, uh, pretty much everybody's smartphone, the Bluetooth is a peripheral built into the main chip silicon. There's no separate chip. That's correct. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, 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 uh, it's built in by the, the company building the, the, the processor. So most of the time by Qualcomm, MTK and Unisoc. Um, and there are two exceptions to that, uh, which are Apple and Samsung. Uh, so not the not the smallest ones. Um, so Samsung, they are using for most of their uh, smartphones the Snapdragon, uh, at least for the high-end smartphones. Uh, they also have some smartphones using the Exynos uh, and some smartphones using MTK. But for most of their high-end smartphones, it's it's uh, using Snapdragon, and they do not use the chipset from Qualcomm. They actually use a, a chipset from Broadcom. That, uh, that is building a module Wi-Fi Bluetooth, especially for the Samsung phones. So Broadcom is also supplying Apple. So basically Broadcom has a strategy in terms of Wi-Fi Bluetooth module for smartphones. They only address the top two customers. So they only address Apple and Samsung and, um, and that's all. Um, so Samsung is quite different, um, which also means that they, I'm guessing they should have more you know, leverage uh, on, on Broadcom to ask for features and ask for, you know, modification inside the Bluetooth chipset. But the reality is today, most of the, most of the work should be done in the software part. So actually, if you want to, in, to enhance the Bluetooth software, the Bluetooth experience in your phone, most of the work should be done in Android. So AOSP is doing some uh, Android for the, the, the Google guys that are doing their, their job to maintain a good, you know, solution that works across all the platforms that respect norm, but a couple of brands are uh, smartphone brands, smartphone OEMs are taking the initiative to, to make some modification to, to create a better experience, especially for their earbuds. Um, but very often there is also a dependency to, um, to Qualcomm, for instance, or to MTK. Um, as those components are baked in, like not a lot of smartphone OEMs have internal capabilities and are used to play with the Bluetooth stack. It's not like it's something they rely mostly on Qualcomm or, or Android or MTK. And they don't have a lot of people playing with the Bluetooth stack. Um, but it's, um, and that's, that's one thing we can do for them, actually. That's part of our offer and positioning. It's like, not only we are providing the, the firmware or the OS as we, we want to call it for the earbuds, but we can also help smartphone companies to make optimization on the smartphone side. So the earbuds that would be powered by Tempo would work better. Very interesting. Um, now maybe you might, you, you mentioned some things like sync between left and right channels, which kind of triggered me. I'm interested 
like how tight you get that sink between left and right. And uh, maybe you have a few slides that kind of diagram out how uh, everything works. Let me see if I have a slide on the, on the sink. Um, yeah. So you were talking earlier that you were doing this for, um, uh, it's called old fashioned Bluetooth with two different uh, Bluetooth speakers. Uh, how much different is true wireless earbuds to that experience? Uh, well, so when we were when we were working on the on the on the two speaker experience, we were not modifying the speaker firmware. So the, so our challenge at that time was how could we get a good synchronization accuracy without having to modify the the speakers? And in that case, um, like the, the the kind of sync we had was between one and four milliseconds. So it was to connect Bluetooth speakers. Obviously, that's the kind of thing that is not good enough for true wireless when the when you know when both earbuds are really close together and close to your ears. So yeah. it's not it's absolutely not something acceptable in the in the earbud space. Um, with our firmware being on the earbuds, we managed to have uh, a synchronization that is less than one microsecond. Uh, so that's that's the kind of uh, accuracy that is like necessary to um, never like never experience any issue and uh, never experience any feeling of desynchronization. Um, so one microsecond against a sample rate of forty-eight kilohertz is less than a sample difference. It's less than a sample, yeah. Yeah, a fraction of a sample, a tenth, no, a twentieth of a sample. Um, the reality is we, if, if you have only a sample difference between left and right, you can actually feel it. It's, it's, uh, and, and, and like, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't have a, a perfect ear, so I'm not the best person to test the audio quality. Um, uh, but if you have a sample, uh, sync, like, uh, between left and right, you can actually feel some, some, the sound that sometimes will, will move a bit and it's, um, you know, it's it's always because the synchronization is actually not fixed. It's it's within the one sample range, but there are some some variation of the of the synchronization, mm -hmm. and so it's so the kind of accuracy we have today, um, I think we could have something that would be a couple of a couple more microseconds. It would not make a difference, but uh, but I think like the jitter is actually the metrics we we look first more than the the real synchronization accuracy. We want to really minimize the jitter. So we never like when you have the earbuds, you never experience any sync issues. Um, so well, maybe I can show you one slide. All right. So that's. So you, you, when you when you look at true wireless, you actually have um, uh, I would say five different architecture that exist on the market today to sync and connect the true wireless. Right now, nothing is normalized, so nothing is defined in the Bluetooth SIG specification. So um, you know there is the same implementation and the same sync technology everywhere. It's, it's going to happen with the AD audio norm. Uh, but right now, a lot of it is about finding solution to optimize things. 
the, the, most, the most frequent solution that existed was what, what, what we call, what is called forwarding. So the forwarding is the idea of, you have the smartphone that is sending a stereo, a stereo stream to the, to the left bud. And the left bud will be, will be forwarding the same stereo stream to the right bud. So that's, that's, the, that's the basic forwarding that exists. So each earbud is receiving a stereo stream. And the, the, the left earbud needs to support actually two stereo streams at the same time, which, is, which works. But in terms of battery, battery consumption, it actually has a great impact on the, on the battery consumption because the left earbuds, they, they, they need to receive a stereo and, re and send back a stereo. So it's quite, quite heavy. So, um, so, so Vincent, does this uh, does this use Bluetooth to send from the the dual dual receive to the right, or does it use a different protocol to go through the head? It's it's using it's using Bluetooth. It's using Bluetooth. Okay. So, again, like ninety nine percent of the solutions today are using Bluetooth. Okay. Um, there was at the very beginning of the like in two thousand eighteen, um, like NFMI was also used for the connection right. between. Right, but then the Bluetooth connectivity quality evolved, and NFMI was not really necessary anymore for uh, transmitting audio from left to right. Um, so NFMI was interesting for other stuff, uh, but we, we could come back to that just after. So, the, the, so if you look, if we look at the architectures, um, the the most common one was the what, what was the forwarding. So we send a stereo to the left bud, and the left bud is re-forwarding a stereo. Um, the second the second possibility, which is something we have implemented, is to optimize this forwarding architecture. So what we have done is we managed to actually we decode part of the stereo stream on the left bud, and we managed to extract only the mono component from that stereo stream and we forward only the mono stream without having to decode both and to, and, and to re-encode one uh, to forward. So we just, we receive the stereo stream, we decode part of it, and we manage to extract from that only the, the, the mono component that we forward to the other bud. And as a consequence, like it means that the, the right bud is only receiving the, the right channel so the bandwidth is, is really minimized and the battery consumption is minimized. The left bud is receiving both and forwarding one, but only decoding one, only decoding the left. Um, so the, the battery consumption is, is, is more important than the right bud, but it's still something that is, um, that is, um, um, that is acceptable. And so we combine to that what we call a, um, a switch wall. So the ability to actually change which earbud is the master and which earbud is the slave over time. So when you see that the battery consumption seems to be lower on the master earbuds than on the, on the slave earbud, then we actually can switch which one is the master and which one is the slave. Very so that, cool. that's what we call optimized forwarding. Um, at, at some points, I think Qualcomm used something a bit similar or they used, so Qualcomm had an approach where they actually decode the stereo stream and they re-encode it uh, using a different codec, uh, like I think it was Opus, actually. They re-encoded it using Opus between left and right, which is a different approach to optimize the forward. So today, the, the, the optimized forwarding options, they work pretty, pretty, pretty well. Um, you have the, the, the third approach, which is the one that is the, the most widely used today, 
which is called sniffing. So the sniffing uh, is what originally was developed by Apple. And the idea with sniffing is the, the, the smartphone is actually connected to one earbud and is sending the stereo stream to one earbud. But this earbud is exchanging the parameters of the connection with the second one using most of the time using BLE. And the second earbud will actually sniff the data that are sent from the smartphone to the left earbud, knowing the parameters of the, the packets we are looking at. So at the end, the result is each earbud is actually receiving the stereo stream. So um, the, like from a pure Bluetooth standpoint, actually only one earbud is connected and the second one is not connected to anything. Uh, in reality, it's like each earbud is receiving the stereo stream. So this, this, is, this works pretty well because in a way, one earbud does not have to forward to the other, which is, which is a good thing for the bandwidth. There, is, uh, there are two challenges with that option. The first challenge is the, the IP. Uh, Apple has a lot of patents on that sniffing architecture that were, that were initially uh, you know, filed in 2014, I think. They, they actually did acquire a company uh, for that specific reason um, in, the, in, in San Francisco. Um, and and the, IP, it, the IP is specifically strong on one item, which is how do the earbuds acknowledge if they actually have um, received the packet or not? So what it means is, so in Bluetooth, if you, you know, as you, as you know, interferences always happen. And there is always a risk that you miss a packet and you don't want it to be, you don't want to experience an audio dropout. So you want to have a solution to, to not experience that. So the, 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 the default mechanism is the earbuds will let the source know that it did not receive the packet. So the source will send it again. Um, and so you have a way to, 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 to you know, to, to, to cover the, the, the potential uh, dropouts, audio dropouts. Right. Um, the challenges in the sniffing architecture is how do you, how do you send the acknowledgement that you receive or did not receive, considering that one of the two earbuds is actually not connected to anything. And that's, that's a real technical challenge. And Apple IP is specifically strong on this. So sometimes you can actually find other chipset companies that are trying to uh, they are trying to, to, they are also implementing sniffing and they have, they have a different sniffing solution. And yes, they are using sniffing, but the acknowledgement mechanism may be different. And it may be different because they want to avoid Apple IP. Right. But the way Apple did it is one of the only way that actually makes it stable. So as like what we see and what we experience is that most of the sniffing solution they actually have a stability issue because of that specific mechanism of acknowledgement. And the stability issue as a result, like, so what, what happens is the smartphone is not receiving correctly the acknowledgement. So the smartphone doesn't know correctly when the audio packet was well received or not well received. So as a consequence, the smartphone is sending again the same packet and again and again. So when we look at something that is called the retransmission rate, so the retransmission rate means how much time the smartphone needs to resend the same packets. Okay. Well, like usually for classic Bluetooth products, it's around 10%. If you, if you take an headphone, it's around 10%. 
if you look at true wireless using sniffing architecture, you could go up to 50%. Like we tested some earbuds where actually the smartphone needs to resend the same packet, like, you know, like 50% of the time. And well, as a result, there is no audio, dro audio dropout, which is, which is nice. But as a result, the battery consumption actually becomes terrible. And that, that has a clear impact on the, on the battery consumption for the user. And that also like that's, and that's one of the, you know, that, that's one of the difficult aspects and uh, of it is like, it's extremely hard to evaluate the true wireless today. Like, because the, the, the Bluetooth architecture has a very strong impact on the quality of the true wireless. But if you want to test that, you need to have some material that is not accessible to anyone. But it's, um, I'm pretty, I'm, 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 quite, I'm actually quite convinced there is a, there is a nice project to have here about like building the, the DXO mark of the, of the, of the true wireless uh, with a, with a Bluetooth sniffer and, uh, and this kind of thing to, to analyze the quality of the, of the true wireless uh, mm -hmm. connectivity part. Um, but that's, so that's the, the sniffing architecture if done right is, is very effective, but like it's extremely hard to do it right and avoid Apple's patents. And uh, today- Is there any way to kind of uh, just say what, what, is, what is Apple's method? Is it too difficult to explain or is it something you can allude to? Uh, it, honestly, it's a, bit, it's a bit difficult to explain. It's, so okay. Apple, Apple is sending back the acknowledgements from one earbud to the other and it's included in, in a specific slot. So it's, it's a bit like, I, I would not be able to explain that to you actually correctly, I think. Okay. Um, okay. There are some other methods that are using that could be quite creati creative that on paper could work, but uh, in reality, it, you can actually see, you use a Bluetooth sniffer, you test, and you see that there is a 40% retransmission rate. If there is a 40% retransmission rate, it means that the battery consumption would be, you know, mechanically way higher. So that's the first I ever uh, found out about this is quite interesting because I see the chip companies generally all promoting their, uh, what do you call it, dual A to DP style. Although it's uh, because Apple did it, the market demands it, even although it's probably a worse solution now. Well, so dual A to DP is actually something even different. So dual A to DP is really about establishing two distinct connections between the smartphone and the left earbud and the smartphone and the right earbud. And in that case, so the sniffing, it's, it's, it's having one connection, stereo, that will be sniffed and intercepts by the second earbud. The dual A2DP is really the two, two direct connections. So the left earbud is connected, the right earbud is connected. The drawback of the dual A2DP is that you need to modify the phone to make it happen. So you actually cannot use dual A2DP if you're just on the sync side. You need to be both on the source and the sync to make it happen. But the benefit is, well, each earbud is receiving mono, so it's um, pretty direct. Um, the bandwidth is minimized. Bandwidth use is minimized, so the stability is good. There is no question for the acknowledgement. Each earbud is acknowledging uh, directly. Um, and so the battery consumption is improved. Uh, there is no uh, added, added latency with this architecture because the two earbuds are not communicating with each other. So on paper, the dual A2DP is the best solution. Um, the drawback of that solution is you need to be on both sides. You need to be both on Android and on the, on, on the other side. Um, so what yeah, also of, for dual A2DP, um, the uh, uh, syncing between the two channels. 
uh, is the latency of each earbud so predictable that you don't need to worry about it as long as the phone transmits simultaneously? Oh no, you 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 do need to have a sync mechanism. You do need okay. to have a sync mechanism. Um, you cannot rely on the fact that it's uh, supposed to be the same. So uh, if you if you're using a dual LTDP, you need to leverage the the fact that you're on the smartphone to actually synchronize the three devices on the same clock. Um, so it's okay. uh, so you need to have a synchronization. Like if we take two speakers, for instance, exactly the same speakers, and we synchronize them without modifying the speaker, just the phone, we would have a synchronization that would be around one millisecond. Um, so clearly not acceptable for earbuds. Okay. So when when most of the of the chipset companies are you know marketing the fact that they do a dual stream to each earbud. Well, first, it's actually not true because what they do is sniffing. <laughs> but uh, um, sorry, in fact, what I did mean to say is sniffing. They're promoting sniffing as though yeah. well, because Apple do it, it's the best. But that may not actually be true. That's that's exactly the case. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. So if 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 if, if people are promoting sniffing, the best thing to do is to take a Bluetooth sniffer, um, so a Bluetooth test device, to connect the earbuds and to to look at the retransmission rate to look at how many times the packet needs to be sent again. And if you have something that is close to 30, 40%, then you know that actually using sniffing may not be, that, that the sniffing implementation may not be the best one and that you may experience some stability issues. Interesting. Is there any other disadvantage uh, uh, or uh, difference between sniffing and uh, optimized forwarding? Well, the, the, the sniffing would be, the the well the optimized forwarding the 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 slave the, the the sync earbud is only receiving a mono stream so in terms of battery consumption today what we see is that the two options are quite similar i would say that the main benefit of sniffing is that each earbud is receiving left and right stereo which opens some possibilities for 3d sound uh, if you want to do some 3D audio, you actually need to, uh, you, you need each earbud to have access to both the left and the right to, to do some mixing there and, and create the 3D sound effect, which is not possible with the optimized forwarding solution as it is presented on this slide. There are, there are always some, you know, walk around and things we could make up, we could do. But I would say that if the 3D audio becomes a trend, then the sniffing approach is quite interesting because it allows you to have a stereo on both ears and it, it can give you more you know, possibilities for the audio processing you want to do. But you know, it's always, yeah, it's always a balance of uh, you know, performances you want to achieve, you know, products, uh, functionalities you want to achieve, this kind of thing. And, and that's why at Tempo we are not you know, blocked on one architecture. We, we're trying to build something that we call the adaptive architecture. And we, we built our firmware so we could actually switch in real time which architecture is used. And this is specifically important for us because as you may know, in the future, there will be LE audio. So a new generation of, uh, of the norm for, for Bluetooth audio using low energy. And we are quite convinced that most of the devices will, they will not support LE audio only. They will support both LE audio and classic. So we need to be able to switch in real time which architecture do we use 
depending on which device is the is the source and that's that's basically what we want to do and and one of the reasons why we decided to build our our stack from scratch our bluetooth stack from scratch is because we wanted to have this kind of flexibility to implement different architectures and to be able to switch between between them in real time that was um yeah quite important for us okay uh, uh, now, so you talk about oh sorry go ahead dave no no I, uh, you, you go ahead uh so in terms of the uh, bluetooth stack there's one component of it and um uh, this is a bunch of uh, code that runs on a processor inside the chip. Then there's other components to a Bluetooth chip other than the stack. Can you say something about that? Yeah. Um, well, let me show you a, a slide actually. So when you when you look at the when you look at the at the graph on the diagram on the left, that's kind of yeah. the, of the earbuds software value chain. So you have the, on the very low level, you have the hardware. So the DSP, the audio hardware, the Bluetooth radio and the Bluetooth controller, which are partly uh, hardware based. Then on top of it, you have the software part. So the Bluetooth protocol stack, the audio architecture and runtime, um, the application layer. So the, the Bluetooth protocol stack is really the Bluetooth dual mode. So it's classic, BLE, all the profiles, A2DP and so on. Uh, the audio architecture, it will be typically uh, all the audio pipeline, um, the, the resampler, the, the decoder, uh, the synchronization engine. So all the different aspects that you need for the, the pure audio architecture. So not what is inside the DSP, um, like really what runs. And so this graph is, is regarding what runs on the main MCU. So most of the time in the Bluetooth chip. Then you have the application layer, which is basically all the logic uh, the firmware updates, the prof, the the, the high-level profiles, the um, I don't know, the links with the uh, you know the, how the pairing works, how the auto-connect works, how the multi-source works, all this kind of thing. Um, most of the time, the smart the the, the so most of so in in a basic situation, if you go if you buy a Bluetooth chip or Bluetooth SDK from uh, from one of the many Bluetooth chipset companies you will get a software development kit. Uh, and this SDK, it's, allow, it's allowing you to do some customization using the, the, the Bluetooth chipset. And that's where you do all the customization to link with the sensors, to links with the, to create some specific gestures, specific comments, um, you know, to add some features. Um, today, if you look at the earbuds value chain, most of the time you have three, sometimes four, sometimes sometimes even five different companies working on the on different pieces of that value chain. So typically, if we look at the Bluetooth controller, um, there are a couple of chip companies like Qualcomm making their own, but most of the Bluetooth chip companies, they're actually licensing hardware and software from a company uh, named Siva in, in Israel, uh, which is the best company to provide Bluetooth controller. So they, they have a piece of software that is actually developed, licensed, and maintained by a third-party company, which is Siva. And they do an amazing job, but they are specialized on that part. If you look at the protocol stack, um, you also have, most of the time, a chip company would be licensing the protocol stack from, um, you know, from a third-party company. So it could be Mindtree in India. It could be a company in China, Barot. It could be uh, there is a company also in 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 Europe. So there are there are a couple of companies, but 
if you if you're building a new chipset from scratch, like if we look at BS, for instance, which is one of the most used chipset in the space today, they built a Bluetooth chip from scratch. So they licensed the controller from Siva, they licensed the protocol stack from someone else, they probably built the audio architecture themselves. Uh, if they have a DSP, sometimes they even license it from uh, Tensilica, uh, license the IP from Tensilica. Um, you know, they, they build the application layer themselves, they build the, the SDK themselves, but then they give the SDK to their customers. But very often the ODMs, the factories, they actually don't have in-house firmware capabilities. So the factories are even calling some design house to help them for the customization of the product, for the, you know, the, the, the core firmware experience. Uh, and at the end, you may have the, the, the OEM team that wants to do a couple of customization to refine the user experience, create an app or something like that. So at the end, if you look at the earbuds value chain, you may have like one like software pieces coming from four or five different companies. And for each piece, the rest is a black box. So like if you want to, like if you're Siva, Siva, they, they, they are building a product for the controller. They don't know how this product is going to be to be used. Um, like they know that people are going to build on top of it, but they don't know exactly how they will do that and what they will do with their piece of software. And they have no control on the way the layers on top will be developed. And it's the same for everyone. And if you add to that, the, the new features that are coming to the earbud world. Uh, so if you like, until now, I would say the earbuds were mostly an audio device, but this is starting to change with more and more features being you know, embedded into the earbuds. Like um, noise cancelling and um, is is the is the most frequent example. Uh, many people are, are using noise cancelling, but there are many other kind of software features that could be bring it, uh, baked in the earbuds. So if you add this part about okay, now there are, there are going to be more product extensions and more features, it adds even more complexity to the to the to the system. And and you know that's that's. Like if you look at 90% of the OEMs today, including some of the big ones, that's kind of the architecture they have on their earbuds, which is like you could find $200 earbuds today that have a lot of connectivity issues. And the OEM, no matter how good they are, no matter how good like their reputation is, if they have some, you know, they have some connectivity issue, there is nothing they can do about that. Like it's just, it's inside the Bluetooth stack. It's the link between the stack and the controller. It's a black box for them. And actually, Google is a good example. If you look at the Pixel earbuds today, um, look at the reviews online, look at uh, Amazon comments, like the earbuds, they are great. The only issue is the connectivity. Sometimes it's not synchronized with the left bud. Um, sometimes there are like, a sync like there are connectivity issues. And no matter how good, Google is, and I'm pretty sure Google has the best firmware engineers in the world. The way they actually architecture their earbuds, there is nothing they can do about it uh, because they rely on, uh, you know, a third party that also relies on the third party, which also relies on the third party. And that's, uh, and that's kind of the, when that's what we're trying to solve at Tempo. And that's, uh, that's that's also because like the more complex the earbud product will become, 
the more important it will be to solve this issue so we would be able to actually create and add new features on top of it uh, inside the entire value chain that could that could create new product experience so that's actually i have a slide i think of that so that's so what would you would you uh, your product would be software with that ship as a compiled library that others would call functions out of uh, how would that actually look yeah well so the the our approach is to have a, a vertical um you know uh, ownership of most of the software value chain and we um it's still tbd uh, we we want to have i think we will have the core that will be a compiled library um but we are we, we would like to open uh, some part of it maybe more open source especially because we would like to have third-party companies involved in creating some features that could that could be integrated into tempo os um so typically we identified a couple of ideas and like a couple of um, embedded software companies building interesting stuff and we and when we talk to those companies so like sensor um, companies analyzing sensor data um, on the edge uh, ai companies like for instance for voice um, you have uh, audio companies doing audio processing 3d audio this kind of thing um, you have biometric companies like leveraging data to do some um, for instance authentication so like using the microphone to authenticate the the user um, so to like there are a lot of very interesting stuff happening today in the embedded space and features that are developed on top of a generic platform that could be relevant in a earbud. like uh, uh, and that's something like those embedded software companies today their issue is the go-to-market like it's extremely hard for them to address the true wireless market the number one player is apple it's blocked they they want be able to make a deal with them. If they want to address the rest of the market, the, 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 the only thing they, have, they can do is they can go to Qualcomm and beg for an access. So they go to Qualcomm and then Qualcomm has this extension program and may open some parts of their SDK. But most of the time, Qualcomm will just give access to that DSP. They will not give access to the Bluetooth stack or to the application layer. So, sometimes it doesn't even work because the Qualcomm SDK does not open enough access to uh, to the entire system. And Qualcomm is the is one of the only company doing this kind of extension program. The rest of the the rest of the earbud and chipset companies, they are not used to have that mindset. So Qualcomm is, is actually already the, 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 the top, like in a way, like the what they're providing is state of the art. Uh, but the problem is, Qualcomm is not providing a full vertical solution. So even though they are pre-installed in Qualcomm solution, they still need to do some work with the design house and the, and, the, and, the, and the ODM to implement new features. And that's, that's basically, and, and, and at the end, they also need to do some work most of the time on the application side. So they also need to work with the OEMs to actually bake something in the application. So the, the, for, for an embedded software company today that wants to deploy in an earbud, it's extremely hard. Like it's a, the go-to-market is hard. The tech is there. The tech is working, um, pretty optimized. The product demand is here because you actually have a lot of brands they want to differentiate. But the go-to-market is a nightmare. And it's like nothing they can really do about it. It's like just super complex. Um, 
And that's also something we, we would like to just try to solve. If we could open some of our, like create specific APIs for third party developers, the fact that we have this vertical approach from the mobile app to the core firmware could enable us to actually create a partnership program and to give access to our partners that they cannot find anywhere else. And that's, that's also the long-term idea with Tempo, and which is also one of the reasons why we are marketing our solution as Tempo OS. It's because we have the, the willingness to build such an ecosystem. And when you, when you think about it for any other kind of products on the market, like if I want to prototype on, on a, for like to modify the smartphone stack, I have Android open source. Um, so like embedded developer for Android, like it's, it's for smartphones, it's, they have an option. The TV, you always have a Linux system. Uh, like a set-top box, you have a Linux system. A car, you have a Linux system. Like sometimes you have some uh, RTOS open source solution for IoT devices. But for true wireless, which is highly specific, you actually have nothing. You, have, you, have, you, you don't have any platform. So all the embedded software companies, they are like, you know, the only solution they have is to develop something on the generic platform and then try to find um, a go to market, but it's extremely hard. So our goal is, well, if we manage to ship with a couple of brands and if we manage to, you know, have a, like to have like five or 10 million earbuds that would be shipped with Tempo OS, then we would have the credibility to open such an ecosystem and to say, and to invite other brands and other, sorry, other embedded software companies to, to participate in this, this OS. And in that case, we may decide to open some part of it open source. Um, oh, very interesting. So it's uh, it's literally like you say, you cover it quite well here. Almost, uh, if we can maybe call this towards closing, is to enable all this different hardware to be running just more smoothly by controlling the the stack uh, top to bottom. Yeah. Um, so even even things like people wanting to do low latency things for gaming or you know, who knows where it could go, like 3D sound, you mentioned, a lot yeah. of different uh, applications that uh, that would just kind of modify the, the stack a little bit, but still being in charge of the entire chain, you're not yeah. going to throw, you're not going to throw something off and they stop cooperating and then your quality of service goes down or something that ruins the experience. I know in, in wireless, we always say, what's the, what's the distortion of a dropout? So <laughs> it's like infinite, right? So... Um, yeah, this is, this is very cool stuff. Um, so like if you look at the, if you look at that, that diagram, actually, um, the Bluetooth host in a different chip is done by, uh, an external software company, the audio architecture and the application layer is done by, um, the chip company itself, the, uh, product extension, sometimes they are done by third party companies. And the OS optimization and the product customization, sometimes they are done by the design house or the ODM. And like at Tempo, we are doing all of that. And, and okay. it's like, even though we are a small company, the, the, the strategic focus we decided to have is to be super focused on the true wireless and to have this vertical approach. At some point we had the, the thinking, like we started to have many opportunities with our Bluetooth expertise. So we had opportunities in the IoT space, we had opportunities in you know other kind of devices, but the strategy we decided to have was like really to be to have like kind of vertical approach of the of the earbud value chain. So actually today we define Tempo more like a earbud company more than a Bluetooth company. 
Bluetooth is where we come from, but actually what we do today is more like building the, the best firmware for earbuds more than just building the Bluetooth part. Oh, very interesting. Um, all right, well, we've been tacked on to an hour here of talking about Bluetooth technology, so um, maybe we can just uh, kill the slideshow and uh, let's see here. Yeah. All right, there we go. Um, all right, so yeah, I, I think I'm I'm tuckered out on Bluetooth technology for today. How about you, Simon? You got anything more to add? Oh, I could um, I could listen to Vincent for hours. This doesn't have to end, does it? No, it's fantastic info, Vincent. It's really good to hear about it. Yeah, no, it's it's really <laughs> exciting. Um, and uh, I think I told Vincent that I started in wireless audio over 13 years ago and kind of saw like Bluetooth was kind of cool but didn't work very well. And it's really yeah. sweet to see somebody take the platform and execute well on it because yeah the demand like you've, you've nailed it the demand is outrageous uh yeah, for a category that works so insane today for the true wireless market yeah and uh you gave me some ideas some for some other stuff that i could talk to you about while we were talking here so um, at, at any rate so i guess yeah thanks so much to vincent for joining us today from paris and uh, as always thanks for for Simon for joining from Japan and if people like what we're doing please subscribe to the channel and we're we're doing this every week so once again thanks guys for joining and y'all have a good day thanks David have a good day